Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I am Seth Haynes, and today I do not have Tish Oxenrider here because Tish is working diligently to finish a book. Instead of Tish today, I have asked my lovely wife, Amber Haynes, to join me. Amber is um, wonderful, beautiful, the mother of my children, and also an amazing writer and human being in general. So Amber, welcome to A Drink With A Friend. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. What are you drinking today? Okay. I have had enough coffee this morning to fuel a tugboat. So I'm drinking Ohm, so O-M, mushroom hot chocolate. And I know that probably sounds super gross, but, you know, I have this thing where I want to eat mushrooms every day because I believe in the power of mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what kind of mushrooms? Um, I don't understand. I, I mean, I believe all edible mushrooms are powerful, but I only have like lion's mane or reishi or like different Anyway, things that help with not 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 magic not those not magic ones. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that you're that when I go to work, you're not sitting at home sipping on magic mushroom juice. No, you would know. If I that did would be that. awkward. <laughs> That's probably true. You'd be seeing double rainbows. Oh, maybe. I am. I'm in the office, which means I have a Keurig. And as blasphemous as the sounds, I'm drinking Starbucks from a Keurig. And, um, you know, if you listen to the show very often, you know that I am a bit of a coffee snob. And this is truly terrible coffee. I'm not going to lie. So, yeah, that's where I am this morning. You're in a much better place. Yeah. It's fine. You just keep going. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, so today um, on A Drink with a Friend, what we wanted to do is talk a little bit about the morning and morning creativity in particular. And I thought there's no better person to talk to this about than you because you've really done a good job over the last particularly little bit um, of really trying to guard your morning times and do good morning work. Um, and over the last little bit, I have not. I have been lazy, just getting up late and not doing my creative work and having a hard time getting into my morning sort of uh, peaceful space. Um, And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that this morning. And I want to talk a little bit about what you do. So, So walk me through our morning routine as if I need to walk through that, but walk the listener through our together morning routine. Okay. Just to be clear, I'm normally the lazy one. I'm, I have always struggled with sleep, with getting enough sleep. So even if I have enough hours in the bed, I'm awake. And so, um, when I got COVID at the end of February, I sort of, my body undid all the sleep patterns that I gained. But, um, on the back end of COVID, I ended up waking up every morning at 3.35 AM. So this has enhanced my writing time. I don't have, yes. a, I don't have a choice. So it's put me back in a rhythm that I don't exactly love, but my old rhythm was to work, to wake up pretty early. I mean, we like the house still and dark and we go to separate places because if we don't, 
we end up chatty. And I also end up like being like house administrator and asking Seth about like, did he deposit a check or something that has nothing to do with what we need to be doing at that time. And so this has not been going a long time for me. My discipline, my morning discipline has changed dramatically. I went through a couple of years of um, prayer being completely dry, my writing being more like, I went on a walk yesterday, saw a flower. Yeah. Then I took a yeah. kid to the dentist. You know, it was very like, I just couldn't get anything. I couldn't find my voice. And so this season, um, especially through Lent, has been especially healing because I have found myself in prayer again. And that always involves journaling and an initial creative dump, um, making connections and and really like a a loose examine of yesterday. Have you guys talked about doing an examine? Um, I think we've talked a little bit about it, but why don't you, uh, as you said, a loose examine. So that's different than a tight examine or a formal examine. So why don't you <laughs> explain sort of what your loose examine is? What an examine is, is where you actually just examine your life. And I look to the past 24 hours and I make little notes about how those moments felt And if a particular moment stands out to me, then I will settle there and um, ask the spirit questions about that moment and and the feelings that I'm feeling and maybe what's underneath that. Or um, I imagine a table between me and the Lord, and I'm just putting what I can see on the table. And then I want to talk about what's on the table a little bit. And I try to see what emotions are attached to those things. So there's always something deeper to dig through um, with the Lord in that. Before I get to that examine part, um, my spiritual director led me to this taking three deep spiritual breaths. And so I will start with what feels like the beginning of meditation, where you know a lot of times meditation is into your mind, but I start with these deep breaths to invite the holy and to release the things that are kind of blocking my prayer. So I've already invited the Lord to be with me and in my thoughts and to lead me as I journal through my examine and then whatever passage that I'm going to look at today. So I'll do a little jotting of an examine. I don't spend a ton of time on that unless I'm just really going somewhere deep. And a lot of times my examine ends with a question that I don't know the answer to. And often the passage of scripture that I have before me is really short. Something in that will stand out to me. And then I will go from there to journal more. And it is it is actually rare that it doesn't have something to do with the question that I ended with in my examine. Mm. So you start with an examine Mm -hmm. and then you move into your prayer practices. And often you find the connection in your examine and your prayer practices. Is that, is that okay? Yeah. It ends up feeling like a conversation. And in the midst of that, I try to have the practice of sitting in silence. I am an avid I mean, voracious journal or when I'm in the practice, I I can write 12 pages in a morning and 
have to work really hard to be silent and listen. And that's part of your prayer time is the silence, mm-hmm. the sitting in the silence. Mm-hmm. I usually do better when I have a question that I'm kind of seeking an answer for. Even if the question is, what what do you want me to hear today? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I journal that out to you. Yeah. So before we move into the creativity part, which then is is sort of your third movement, I know mm-hmm. because I live with you and I watch it happen most mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me this, like not everyone here, um, you know, that listens, you know, shares the same faith system or the same system of belief. And so when you start with your examine or when you start with your prayer and move into prayer, um, do you, do you think, do you, do you know, have you talked to anyone, um, you know, could, could anyone sort of adopt these, these two movements as a way of beginning a day? Absolutely. But it is an actual practice and it is a thing that I have been terrible at according to my season of life. And particularly if I'm in a more survival-y season, or in a season of healing, I have had seasons where I could not engage my imagination. And I, I I, believe that we have to have an imagination. And I don't mean like, let's pretend Jesus is real. I don't mean that at all. But there is something to reading a passage of scripture and being able to imagine it and asking which character you play in that story and thinking through like, from the eyes of the man who was healed from his blindness. So sometimes my imagination isn't there. Like I'm just, I have a heart, I'm shut down. Survivor mode does that to me. I've tried to learn to celebrate what is and what I can do. And there have been seasons that just praying a rope prayer was all that I could do. Okay. So, you start with your examine, you you get quiet, you sort of look over the past of your day. And I would say, like, if, if someone doesn't have any particular faith, that you can still do this. You can still sit down, look over the course of your day and say, here's, here's what I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Here's, here are the things that I saw that were beautiful. Here are the things that I saw that were good. Here are the true things that I saw. And just journal those down, write them down really quickly. And I think you're right, regardless of you know, whatever, I think, you know, when you begin to examine your day, you're going to come up with certain questions, uh, certain things that, that, that you need to explore, certain things that you need to ask about. Um, and so then for you, you move into prayer. For me, I move into prayer. I know Tish moves into prayer. Um, for someone else, it may be a contemplation. It may be just sitting and asking that question and ruminating on that question and trusting and believing uh, that the good, true, and the beautiful, that the divine that is in the world will speak to you and will will help answer those questions. For us, it's through scripture. Um, so when you move from imagination or from examine and into prayer, and you have this like n- this season of good imagination where you're mm-hmm. able to really connect um, with the scriptures, you're able to really connect with prayer, you're able to really um, connect with uh, the the truth that is sort of ongoing and eternal um, and almost elastic as I see it, you know, it stretches from, from one end to the other. Um, Then you make a a really particular move um, into something that is like creativity. 
So talk to me about your morning creativity. This is sort of your your routine to prime your creativity. I love to be inspired. And so a thing that I have had to guard against in prayer or in my journaling is to seek that time for the purpose of being inspired. I actually want to Mm. seek that time for the purpose of being with the presence of all powerful love and, and knowing that love. I have found that distinction to be really important to me that I'm not trying to get, I'm not, like having a meeting with God so I can get something good to go right. Yeah. He's not a vending machine for you. No. Right. I I mean, I can't, I actually do that. So I'm having to guard against that. Yeah. And so I will read and it usually is reading that is the spark for me. Sometimes it's like on in my day as I go about my day, it's music. Yeah. But in the morning, it's reading. And on my good days, I read a chapter and I read a poem. Mm. And usually, that's it. That's it. And I will do a more creative free light, right? Like people who talk about um, morning pages, just write what comes out. Yeah. And usually that will inspire the writing that I have to do that day. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is also an appropriate time to tell the re- the listener that we have two dogs, Lucy and Tippa, yeah. and you may hear them in sorry. the background. I'm really sorry about that. They, um, they get pretty rambunctious when people start walking. They feel like they have to guard our house from every passerby. Mm-hmm. It is quite annoying. So if you hear two little dogs in the background, those are our dogs. Not a big deal. They're great. They're great. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to what you were saying, you, 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 like I totally understand the idea of spiritual reading for the purpose of inspiration, particularly as a writer, that's something you always have to be on guard against. Um, You don't want to be using God. You don't want to be using spiritual reading as sort of a, a way to sort of, I don't know, platform for lack of a better word. Um, It it truly is, you know, a, a practice for us, for our own spiritual growth. But then you move into your creativity And I really like what you're saying about you typically like to read or you try to read one chapter and one poem. So tell me what chapter and poem uh, have you, has really, it's really stuck out to you in the last, you know, couple of weeks. Well, Christian Wyman has a new book of poetry called survival as a style. And so that's the book that I just finished and the final poem, I would read it right now if it weren't such a just culmination of the whole book book and it would feel like cheating like telling the punchline a spoiler a little bit a spoiler but it's gorgeous and completely heartbreaking the whole book is heartbreaking heartbreakingly beautiful um one of the most human things i've ever read ever and it's not every single poem i in fact some poems like well and then i go back and read it the next day because i didn't really feel it or get it. And then it slams me. So it's poetry is a thing that keeps on giving. Yeah. Christian Wyman is also the master of that of like, I don't really understand that. And the next day being like, Oh my gosh, I totally Mm -hmm. understand that. And now I'm on my face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's a really good book and I tend to sit with a book of poetry for a really long time. Like I'll read it and reread it. So 
I've had three books of poetry by my bed for a year. Yeah, yeah. But this one is new, and I gobbled it up. So the chapter, I am reading Heather King's Redeemed. I don't know when this was published. I think maybe even the 90s or early 2000s. We have we have be been talking a lot about Heather King on this podcast. I tell you what, I, we, we're like apologists for her. <laughs> well, I, she, she speaks my language. It, this was published in 2008 with Viking Penguin and... Good gravy. She is amazing. And she has chapter three in this book is what I read today. And it was just about her coming to faith. And I I could have written every word of it. And I do wish I could just read this to you guys. It's so great. Yeah, read read a passage from it. What what stuck out to you? What has stuck out to you in that in that book? Here's the first sentence. When I first started writing, I was aflame with the notion that finally, finally. I would create what I didn't realize with it was that writing would create me. Boom. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Flannery O'Connor. This is paragraph two wrote for four hours a day. So I figured I'd do the same right from the beginning. Writing for me was a religious experience. Boom. Um, so she writes in this chapter about how writing awakened her soul and she had been visiting all of these churches and just never found a fit never never felt she felt this ache and emptiness like she needed to be somewhere like a lot of us do right now and um she was saying that writing led her to her deepest self and she walked into a catholic church that she had passed a bazillion times and she said i remember instinctively understanding that here was consecrated time, consecrated space, that the people who had come to worship in the middle of the day were kneeling, standing, praying, were part of a parallel universe that intersected with eternity. And to me, like that so connects with the practice of writing, because for people who are true writers, poets, you know, whatever, journalers, I think we do find that parallel universe that intersects with eternity. I mean, to me, that's what poetry is. Yeah. It's bringing this, this like cross point between the visible and invisible. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love how she connects her um, coming to know this deeply human God, Jesus, as someone that she, um, felt like she was falling in love with and someone who understood her and that that sort of parallels with her writing. Yeah. Her practice. Yeah. The thing I love about King's writing too, is that I feel like her, um, like every care, every, uh, you know, piece of her ego, I just feel like it's all been so stripped down and what you get in her writing is really the bare bones of creativity. Um, and I love that about her. I don't. I don't sense a whiff of, of ego or showmanship, or even uh, you know, as Mary Carr would put it, decoration. <laughs> Gotta love Mary Carr, don't you? So for you, you move from examine to prayer, and then you do some reading. You try to read creative, creatively. Is this a prime the pump sort of thing? Yes. 
Okay, that was a very easy answer. Yes, yes, is the answer to that. You can tell our our uh, our conversation at home is very utilitarian. Um, okay, so once we uh, get past the the reading, like what's next? What's next for you? Well, on a good day, according to on a good day, what's next for you? Okay, on a good day, I grab my computer and I start typing. If things still feel really muddled. Um, then I grab my journal again and start journaling. Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever comes out. Yeah. And how often would you say things still feel really muddled? I think this is a really important question because I think one of the things that's really important about what you just said is that things still remain muddled a lot for all kinds of people, whether you're um, an artist looking at a canvas or a photographer or a writer um, you know, or whether you like really find joy in accounting spreadsheets, which I mean, if you do, that's crazy, but whatever. Um, I think there's a lot of time, there are a lot of times when we, when we turn to our output and things are just really muddled. And so tell me how, when you're in your muddled experience, like how does the journal help? What, what does that do for you? Well, I don't put the same restrictions on myself when I'm journaling. I'm really, really sloppy. I scribble. My my handwriting probably looks like a crazy person. And I draw lines and circles and, and that kind of thing because I'm trying to get to the nugget or the, to what's underneath, what what feels muddled. I don't. I'm not afraid of the muddled feeling anymore because all of that is work. It all feels like it's coming to something like I'm, I'm building. And so I get things on the page and a lot of times a a little bit of that will become what goes um, onto the screen tomorrow. Even the question that comes out of that is really important. So nothing feels lost. I'm still doing the work of writing, but I muddled a lot. I am in a season of deep um, renewal and healing. So a lot of what I'm doing as I'm relearning how to hear the voice of God is relearning how to hear my own voice. And part of yeah. that is the practice of writing that isn't for other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And it feels really important. It feels good. It doesn't produce, like I'm not churning out content yeah, um, for people to see, but I believe the fruit is coming to be. Yeah. Yeah. And there is some content that you quote unquote churn out. Um, I mean, people can find you on Instagram writing things. Yeah. People can find yeah. you in your newsletter writing things, but I don't sense, and you know, Maybe I'm biased, but I don't sense that you sit down to write for the purpose of gaining followers or for the purpose of saying the next inspirational thing on the internet or um, for the purpose of getting a book deal. Um, I sense with you that writing is very, very much a way for you to explore who you are, how you connect with God, how you um, experience and see the world around you and how you make sense of it. That is true. But also, a lot of times when I'm working through my own stuff, like, I'll actually move from writing I to we. Hmm. And I am, I am thinking about 
my readers. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I have come to love these people. And I, I think in the few conversations that I get to have, I understand that there is a lot of pain right now. And I, I feel that with people. And I do feel like as I receive encouragement that I want to articulate that in encouragement. I actually do have a feeling of this is a thing that I need to share. Mm-hmm. And then I have also the feeling of maybe I need to use discretion here. This isn't a thing to share yet. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm writing for the we, for us, um, it's a not yet. And so yeah. it's still developing. Yeah. So what are the things in your writing right now that you sense people need? What You know, you, you say you move into the we, like, what do we need right now? Gracious. Um, can I read one more little thing from Heather King? Absolutely. Um, the small, hidden, anonymous God I found in the Gospels appealed to me deeply. It was the God I'd found in sobriety who worked through other people, who had a sense of humor, who held me accountable and forgave me at the same time, who didn't force or judge just invited me to do a little better, then put the challenges in my path to teach me how. Christ subverted all worldly systems, political, familial, financial, not for the sake of being subversive, but because acting with utter integrity is automatically subversive. He was left of the furthest left and right of the furthest right, both radically liberal and radically conservative. And and this paragraph goes on to just be totally amazing. But this idea of the radical left and the radical right, I feel like there is such deep pain and families tearing apart in the midst of uh, division and polarization in our country. And there are a whole, I think that a lie that we're hearing is that there is no bridge between these two worlds of left and right mm-hmm. yeah. because we don't we don't hear those voices the voices who are like let's build a bridge between the two and not i'm not assuming that i can build that bridge but i sort of do imagine that there are a lot of us on that bridge and and we need to find a way to talk to one another in this space i think there's a lot of pain in the middle, in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And what you just read reminds me of the passage where, um, you know, we're told not to be, um, not to be lukewarm, to be hot or cold. And and it, it's this idea, right. That, that, that there is some goodness that exists in both camps on the extremes. And there's also some real sickness that exists there. And and right now it's really hard to be in the middle because you're not left enough for the people on the left and you're not right enough for the people on the right. Um, and, and ultimately there needs to be um, some identification with, with sort of, with sort of the good of both sides um, and, and not, you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater on both sides. Is that kind of what I hear you saying? Yeah. Yes. Sort of. But also, Jesus is completely other than the left or the right. That's more yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. 
that it's not it's not find the middle between the two. Like there are some things that we we cannot reconcile. Jesus is other. Yeah. Yeah. His way is so far left and so far right. It can't be defined by a party. And so there are so many people who feel like I can't be defined. Like I can't, I'm not hearing my voice, my thinking, my feelings in either of these very loud spaces. I'm not identifying in either place. I'm lost and I don't have a people. And I'm, you know, that brings up a whole can of worms. But um, Jesus is other and Jesus loves all. And Jesus speaks the truth in the midst of all that mess. Yeah. So just gently learning to find encouragement in being other yeah. right now. Yeah. On this show, we've talked a little bit about um, Sarah Billups. And I know that you follow her also. S-A-R-A dot B-I-L-L-U-P-S on Instagram. If that's your jam, if that's where you are. Um, and she kind of talks a lot about this sort of being a, a, a church orphan or being estranged or sort of not having a home. I really appreciate the depth with which she's talking about this. And, and there are a lot of others. Um, and so I'd ask you, like, when you go to the page or when you go to the social media spaces that you uh, write in or whatever it is, um, how do you try to bring this kind of message to your reader? Like it, explain to me or describe to me, like, do, do you go um, writing to yourself or do you go writing to your reader? Well, I don't know that I do either one of those. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Then <laughs> when you go to the page, you know, I, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I, I work with other authors and I was working with somebody this week who said, um, I need to write this book. I mean, you know, I was helping storyboard this book and they said, I need to write this book and I need to write it to myself. Um, it was almost like a pep talk to themselves. And and that's a very valid reason to use creativity as something uh, for yourself that then someone else will read. But but when you go to the page, tell us, like, how do you approach your your daily writing or your your, your published writing? Well, maybe it is for myself then, Seth, after hearing you describe that. Um, it it does feel like that first sentence of the chapter that I read, that writing creates me and helps me show my attachments or understand what I'm attached to. A thing that I've been journaling through right lately is, am I writing to please people. I do want to be pleasing to people. People don't read you unless you, you, you please them. Yeah. And my writing can't come from that place. And so I've been thinking through belonging and um, the fact that I actually am not seeking to belong with uh, anybody, but also solidarity does join. Solidarity is pitching a tent which is what Jesus comes to do when he dwells with us. What that really is, is pitching a tent. And so I write for solidarity out of a sense of deep belonging. This is goal. This is not always what I do. Deep belonging um, in the love of God. And so the love of God is the motivator in that on my good days. So really what your motivation is, is connection uh, with 
the divine love connection with, with God so that you can experience solidarity and in turn, bring a sort of solidarity to your reader. Right. I mean, I, I spent such a long time being unrooted that being rooted in the love of God feels like the only way that I'm going to be able to move forward. I actually would gladly give up writing Mm. were it not for a sense of being rooted and that, I don't know, feels like the fruit of my life is writing often. Yeah. And I think that's a really important um, thing to sort of, I mean, we can, we can sort of end on this. Like the, the, the end of this is not, you know, to write or not to write. I mean, we have, again, we have listeners who are amazing with paintbrushes and amazing sculptors and amazing accountants and incredible doctors and lawyers. And these are gifts that they have. These are things that, that they're good at. They've been trained in like you with writing. Um, and at the end of the day, what is the call? The call is to use those gifts in a way that sort of bring God's love, the love of God into the world around us. And that really, um, you know, serve each other in ways that are, are, are healthy and whole. And I think that's what I love about your practice. I think I love about your practice is that you, when you start with an examine and then you move into the step of prayer and then you move into reading um, and then you ultimately move to an output of writing that it's a really grounding, almost like a through line of a uh, connection uh, first to God and then pulling it all the way through. Um, to sort of what you what you do uh, vocationally, so to speak, um, it is connection first with God, connection next with the self, connection then with the reader, um, and that feels very different than what I see a lot of times on social media these days. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, in what I look back and see of myself, to be clear, yeah, totally. And I burned out. I burned out so hardcore. Because I lived in my head with my reader instead of living in my head with the voice of love and understanding not just my belovedness, but all of our belovedness. Yeah. Um, That'll mess you up. It's codependency. It's weird codependency. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think that's my encouragement. I think that's, that's the encouragement that I'm getting from, from what you're saying is, you know, examine your life, spend time in prayer, connect first with God and God's work in your day, connect next with yourself, um, sort of sense where you are connecting uh, with God through prayer, uh, maybe through reading, um, and then let all of that fuel your output, whatever output that is whether it's writing, doctoring, lawyering, uh, teaching, um, I don't know, all the other ings that are out there. Um, let that practice of connectedness fuel you. And I think that's, that's what I really love about what you're, what you're doing and how you're trying to approach this next season of your life. And if we have you back on again, um, maybe we can talk about what it is or what it was that brought you um, to this sort of rerouting into different practices, but we are sadly out of time. So let me ask you this. What is one thing that you are reading, watching, or listening to that is bringing uh, truth, beauty, goodness, uh, some sense of uh, the eternal into your life? 
Okay. This is such a gift. Um, our dear friends, Joseph and Lindsay, have been listening to this guy named Rue Payne. It could be Payne's. I'm terrible. Uh, it's either Payne or Payne's. Look up Rue. R-O-O like kangaroo. And <laughs> his music is so precious. And I have to believe there is a, I mean, I have to believe that he somehow practices this um, connection with love. I don't know if he does it at the beginning of the day or what, but his lyrics are so full of hope and humanity. I think we need more of that. So if there's one, does he have a lot of songs out there with a lot of tracks or is it just like so many songs? Like how have we not heard of him? I mean, for years he has so many songs. Is there one song in particular that you're like, this song is so good. Ophelia. Okay. So everyone needs to drop what they're doing. I mean, finish this podcast, but then go listen to Ophelia uh, by Rue Payne or Payne's. We're not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> Rue something. I'm sure it's incredible. So, um, well, yeah. Okay. Well, everybody's going to go do that. And then they're going to comment back and tell you that you're a genius and that you've changed their lives. And then they can actually thank Joseph and Lindsay Mason, uh, who are cutting edge, truly cutting edge humans and individuals. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. So we'll have to tell them now that they made an appearance on the show. Um, okay. So one thing that I am reading, watching, or listening to that is making my my life more full of truth, beauty, and goodness. Um, I think you'll find this funny, Amber. One time on the show, I mentioned that I watched the Mormon murder documentary. That was when you were struggling with COVID. And why that brought truth, beauty, or goodness to my life, I, I don't know, but it just wasn't the moment. It was making me very happy. Um, similarly, in that vein, I uh, picked up an old collection of Chekhov short stories. And the other night, while I was struggling to stay awake, made my way through um, his short story about uh, a man who was trying to quit drinking or who needed to quit drinking. And the solution was just this other man sort of entering his life and beating the ever-loving crap out of him um, until he quit quit drinking, Uh, which is really not true, beautiful, or good, but somehow it just made me laugh. And I thought that the, 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 the humanity that Chekhov writes with is so good that it just, every time I read Chekhov, I, I smile a little bit and I don't read Chekhov that much, but when I do, boy, do I smile. He was so good at the short story. You, you studied Chekhov. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. I'm not a short story writer. I want to be. But. See, again, these utilitarian conversations that the Haynes family has. We're <laughs> so good at this. Um, so if you have enjoyed uh, this conversation with Amber Haynes, you can find her places. So I'm going to let her tell you where those places are. Amber, where can they find you? Instagram at Amber C. Haynes. It looks like Amber Chains is going to be where I write my shorter things. And then I have a Substack newsletter that um, is transitioning to uh, the long form goes to paid subscribers. That's going to be where I give my best. And then the free subscribers are going to get lots of updates for me. And then I also have a blog and that's amberchaines.com. 
And I write my rando essays there that don't belong in newsletters. Rando essays that are neither Instagram nor newsletters. It's so complicating these days to be a writer. You have to write all these different places, you know? You don't have to. You really don't. It's just what I do. Yeah, that's probably true. That's that's probably true. That's what I do too, though. So, <laughs> hey, we're all there together. You can find me at SethHaines.com. Um, and there you'll find links to my uh, Substack newsletter. You'll find links to my Instagram, my Twitter Facebook, which I don't use because I do believe that it's truly awful and a dumpster fire, but that's just me. Um, You can also find me from time to time on various podcasts. So just search my name and you'll see some stuff and maybe you'll get to listen to it. It'll be a fun time for you. Um, So we've had a good time here today talking with Amber. I always have a good time talking with Amber. I get to talk to her all the time and I know that makes you jealous. Um, So we just want to thank you for being here today, Amber. I'm glad to be here. I just miss miss Tish. Yeah, I know. One day we'll have this whole conversation with all three of us and it'll okay, be good. amazing. Okay. So thank you to uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in, who's listening. We appreciate it. And thank you to all the people that uh, Tish normally thanks that I can't recall right now, except for she does have a furry intern named Jenny. I remember that part. Um, and, you know, Kyle, who really just kills it with the editing. And on this episode, uh, whether or not you know it, he edited a lot. So thank you, Kyle, very much for the editorial input. You can uh, find us at a drinkwithafriend.com and we look forward to seeing you again or you hearing us again. And as always, feel free to drop us a note. We have a Substack now. You'll find the link in the show notes. Feel free to comment away, send us an email, uh, you know, reach out and, and give us some love or something. So we'll, we'll listen to you. So thanks for being here. We'll see you again next week.